The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Joanne Mercier. Hey, Joanne. Hey, Dom. And Father Corey Stig. Hey, Father Cor- Hey, Father Corey. Howdy, Dom. And joining us is Joanne Stock. Yes, unfortunately, Maggie wants to get into the whole thing right now. We should do a secret, the tech of pet, uh, pets sometime. That would be a fun episode. We could we could do some good things there. Uh, but uh, for the now, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network that you're sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Middle Earth. And you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Middle Earth, all one word. So today's main topic, we wanted to talk about uh, one of my favorite things, uh, subscriptions versus purchasing. So these days with tech, there are a lot of things. It used to be, you know, you buy a box of software off the shelf at CompUSA. Remember that place? <laughs> or uh, or you'd buy a computer or a printer and you brought it home and you owned it and it sat there and it, it, you used it until it didn't work anymore or you wanted an upgrade. But now we have a lot of su- subscriptions. And so now we're paying monthly fees to keep software running or for various pieces of hardware where, where we're sort of renting them. So I wanted to talk about the relative merits and you know the pros and cons of software and hardware subscriptions versus purchases, what we might want to buy when we have the option as opposed to subscribe to and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, I wanted to start with this story that I saw in the Atlantic uh, magazine about uh, Hewlett Packard printers. And I have uh, experience with this because I have an HP printer, which and the instant ink subscription program. Oh, and, yes. And, <laughs> yeah. and the way it works is you buy the printer, you drop your several hundred dollars, and then you have to subscribe to a sub to to a program called instant ink in which they monitor the number of pages you print and or and then thereby uh, kind of deduce the number, the, the amount of ink you'll need on a regular basis, and then they send you ink as you need it. However, you're paying for the pages that you subscribe to per month, say 100 pages per month for six bucks, whether you print a page or not. You know, if you use any ink or no ink at all, you're still paying that subscription. And as soon as you stop paying, no matter if the, there's still ink in that cartridge, your printer stops printing. And now one one thing about this, as far as I understand, um, I've got an HP, but it's like 15 years old HP LaserJet that still runs awesome. But <laughs> yeah. um, you are not required to do the digital, the instant ink. But if you do sign up for it, you're stuck. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when you're installing the drivers for it, it will ask you, do you want to join this wonderful service? Um, which, by the way, is a lot like how many major, even small corporations, small companies and businesses and so on do their copiers, you know, like the copier scanner, you know, the big, big copier scanner thing that they have. Yep. They will be on a line uh, on a lease 
for you know how many thousands of pages a year or whatever and then if you go over that it's so much more i mean that's that's a lot of businesses do that because then they don't own the equipment right and then when it breaks then it's up to the you know the 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 police company it gets old or it's time for an upgrade or whatever yeah now that's not the case with these you've bought the printer that that piece that piece of plastic is your (laughs) your exactly so you don't even get that benefit from the program which is kind of you know annoying and there's a bit of a dark pattern we've talked about dark patterns a lot when you when you get that printer home and you're setting it up they really kind of lead you to believe that instant ink is your option like you you could you know, do an a la carte where you just buy cartridges. But the other problem now is that they've also started blocking you from using non Hewlett Packard mm-hmm. ink cartridges with your Hewlett Packard printers. And Hewlett Packard's not the only one. They're the, the, the yeah. Epson and Canon the others has done that. Yeah, yeah. They, they they do it too. So it's this real, you know. I mean, so there's a whole conversation we had about printers. <laughs> <laughs> so we can talk about that. But uh, on the subscription front, I mean, it, all, there's a lot of anger at this idea of being locked into this thing because you buy your printer, you own it. And then if you don't keep paying this fee, you can't use it. Yeah, I had some non HP ink cartridges in my work printer mm-hmm. because my work printer is an HP that does 11 by 17. Oh, sure which they don't make anymore. They actually mm. don't make this printer. I got it for a song two years ago. And um, my, my the secretary at my place said, here, I have some, and I said, those are generic. Oh, they'll still work. Well, they worked for a while, and then all of a sudden it bricked up. Mm. So yeah. I had to buy the real ones, and it started working again. But I just never went into this subscription thing with ink. I mean, Mm-mm. I don't trust it because I don't use ink like, you know, I'll either use too much black and not color or too much color and not black, depending mm-hmm. on the time of year, liturgical year it is. Right. Or yeah. what I'm doing. That's good so, point. yeah, it, it's called, well, I'm going to buy it when I need it. Yeah. That doesn't mean my printer. I've, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll print, you know, one month I might print like two, three pages. Next month I'll have to print out some reports or something. It'll be a hundred pages or. Mm-hmm. And it'll be all black. There'll be color or I've got uh, it's a, it's a color laser jet is what I have. And I've got the, the cartridges sitting in my drawer here from four years ago, some of them. But I just replaced one of them the other day, you know. Yeah. So. So in the article, the Atlantic article, there's a quote from uh, Cory Doctorow, who's the, uh, you know, a privacy and uh, open source advocate. I mean, he's sort of almost, mm-hmm. sort of a. He's a little bit of an extremist on these things, which is fine. Mm. It's good to have them. I mean, I, I, I like Cory Doctorow, a, but he takes a, he mm. takes a hard line in one direction. Yeah, he, he's not yeah. he's not a Richard Stallman, if you know who that is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's not even close to that. That's no, no, that's no. hard line. That's true. that's true. <laughs> uh, I, I, I should probably put yeah, but he does may have a, a a quote which which I think you know we really need to you know bring up as we discuss this topic, which is. It's all about the way consumers are losing control over things they've already paid mm-hmm. for. And that's mm-hmm. if if there's a if there's a concern about subscriptions, that's the big one is, you know, we're we're paying for things. And sometimes some subscriptions, it's not you don't you're not pu- buying a thing and then continue to pay subscription. Sometimes it's just a monthly subscription. But there's still this you know question of is 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 it better for us as consumers and users to 
never own anything and only, you know, to, to only be paying for the right to use the thing for a period of time. And this has to do with music and movies and software and all kinds of things. So it's something to, something to keep in mind. Well, I think that with with subscriptions, I like having the, the product on my computer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always have. But some subscriptions might be worth it because what happens is if you have, for example, um, not PageMaker, but um, the other one from Adobe. Uh, um, InDesign. InDesign. Yep. I had InDesign, an old copy of InDesign for a very long time. I got very comfortable with it. Of course, when they make you move on to something else, and this can happen either in subscription or in, you know, you know, the stuff you own, there's a learning curve there. And it's usually extremely steep. When you have a subscription, the learning curve is a little bit more incremental. And, and I get that. But still, I mean, Adobe, right now I spend almost $20 a month for Acrobat. Because I need Acrobat probably eight months out of the year. And don't tell me to pull it into Word and try to convert it or preview because it doesn't, neither of those have all the things I need that the Adobe does. And I just think I would rather have a copy of that because I don't use half of the other half of what it's capable of. What I needed for specific things to open up documents and you know, play with PDFs. <laughs> so let's get into the pros and cons of the different options here. Like, the, so the pros and cons of subscriptions and the pros and cons of purchasing outright when that's even possible. And that's actually another aspect is sometimes it's not even possible to buy certain things versus subscribe to them. That subscription is the only option. So we should, you know, stipulate that. But so some of the pros of subscriptions is, you know, that they lay out for us is that, with a subscription, the the uh, developers, like in software, they can constantly roll out updates. They don't have to wait to bundle them up into one big update uh, annual to make it worth the cost of updating, you know, paying the up, upgrade fee. Uh, and so they can roll out updates on monthly, improvements, bug fixes, um, and then you're always supposed to be getting the latest and greatest. Now, that's not always true. I know that with Adobe, this yes, there's constant updates, but they reserve their best features for their annual, like annual updates. And I don't know, I don't love that. I, I would like, I would rather, you know, give me that brand new feature as soon as you've got it finished. Mm-hmm. But so. Um, well, it's it's the same with OSs, you know, both Apple, both Apple and Microsoft with Windows and, and Mac OS. You know, they do small increments, you know, bug fixes and stuff like that. But then they do the big releases every year, you know, and it's a similar, similar kind of thing. You know, see Microsoft uh, Office 365, that one actually does seem to do the little small increments of we've added this feature now. We've done this where they're not doing the big annual, you know, version 14, version 15 release, you know, so that, that yeah, some some are willing to do that. Um, others aren't, you know, and. and um, there's, there's arguments for and against, I think both, both ways. But the downside of that is what happens if one of those bug fixes fixes something else that causes another bug. And now you're, you know, things don't work like they're supposed to. Right. And that happens. I mean, I suppose that can happen 
with purchase or subscription, but like if they're constantly rolling new updates out, that's that's that many more opportunities for a bug to bring things to a halt. I I, I agree with that. That's true. Just when you need it. <laughs> right, right. And then why on the we ho- never why we never update before we record. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I update like on the weekends and stuff. Like I don't yeah, that's I did that this past weekend, in fact. Uh, so the other thing is um like with the hardware you know, with hardware devices, if you're in a subscription model with your hardware, um, uh, one of you mentioned that driver support is ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have older hardware, you eventually hit the point where it's much harder to get the driver sort. So like this, this old color laser jet I have, it's kind of a bear to find the proper drivers for Mac OS and Windows. Linux does it better, <laughs> uh, but, um, but, but it's, you know, again, it's a 15 year old piece of hardware and Hewlett Packard doesn't really want to support it anymore with hardware support. So it's very easy where a windows version could, or a Mac OS version could break the existing driver to the point where it won't work anymore. But if you're leasing the equipment and that's essentially what you're doing, if you're on a support model, this isn't the instant ink. This is like, you're actually leasing the hardware then they're going to keep supporting that hardware with your drivers until they get to point. Okay. Your lease is up. Here's your new one. Turn your old one in. We're going to do a new, you know, here's the new lease. Yeah. And yeah, that is uh, also one of that benefits too, is that you're always that opportunity to have the latest and greatest, you know, the, if you're paying a monthly fee, you know, when it, when it's time for the new model, usually, it's the same amount, maybe rolls over to a little more, you know, inflation's inflation. Um, but, you know, that's that opportunity to kind of stay current with the latest and greatest of hardware or software. And we see this, we see this more with phones, of course, you know, whether iOS or Android, where, you know, you'll, and we, of course now it's, it's not like the, it used to be where you just pay the monthly subscription fee for your phone to the, to the phone carrier. Company. Yeah. Now it's, you do like the two year payment plan but it works out the same. And at the end of two years, you can trade in your phone, get a new one if you wish. And you know, you got the next two years of payments and upgrades. Yep. You know, one of the things that can be a benefit of a subscription is to only pay when you need that software or uh, not usually not with hardware, uh, but usually with the, with the software thing. So kind of like when people subscribe to Netflix to, to binge watch the new season of their favorite Netflix show, and then they cancel until the next season or whatever along those lines. And you can kind of do this with some software as long as you're not paying annually. Then, and which is why they they incentivize the annual payment. But you know, if you only if you know I only use this software during tax season, and uh, you can pay monthly, then you just pay monthly during tax season, and then you can save the cost for the rest of the year. And so there's there's a bit of a benefit. That's what I do with InDesign. Yeah, because I only need it for Christmas time, Advent, Christmas, and Lent, Easter to do programs. And then I don't use it the rest of the year, so I shut it down. It would be nice to be able to do that with um, Acrobat, but I can't. It's That's always a hit or miss. But um, no, Netflix is <laughs> Netflix is, is the example. Well, streaming is the example of how you can go back and forth. But some of these programs, I mean, to try them, like I'm looking forward to Final Cut Pro on iOS, on the iPad. I want to try it. 
because iMovie isn't doing it for me anymore. So I need to go to something a little heavier. Let's see how that works. If I like it, fine. If I don't like it, you know, because to put out $300 and find out you don't like it. Right. Is well, another story. And that's the interesting thing. So the with Apple has announced that uh, um, Logic and um, Final Cut Pro, sorry, let's keep it for a second, were, are coming to the iPad. And those are going to be subscription as opposed to the ones on the Mac, which are purchase. And so that's an interesting, yeah, interesting idea that for a project you can get, if you have a specific project in mind, you subscribe for a period of time, use it for that period of time. And, you know, use it. And the other benefit, and I've talked about this with set app, you know, I, I'm, I'm always talking about the benefit of setup is it's got hundreds of app, uh, apps in there, hundreds of pieces of software and the opportunity costs. I'm already paying for set So if I need software to do a thing, chances are something in set does it. And there's zero cost for me to try it. And that's a huge benefit. Well, one thing too, you know, you kind of mentioned briefly, but you know, no big upfront cost. You know, there's no um, how many how many of us remember the hundreds of dollars for Microsoft oh, Office no back kidding. in the day? That's not that yeah. long ago, um, even. <laughs> yeah, and well, I mean, I remember when I was in the Air Force, we had like the box, yes, the big thirty floppy disk version <laughs> of the original Office, doing the the floppy swap. Yep. <laughs> yep, but but it was you know it was hundreds of dollars to buy Microsoft Office, and so. You know, someone like me is, you know, just a single guy out of my house. I'd never buy office, but now you can pay what? $10 a month for the basic level of Microsoft 365. That sounds like a much better deal and you get more goodies with it. It's that kind of thing where I'm still paying a hundred dollars a year or $150 a year for office, but it's at 10, $15 a month instead of. Right. Well, that's like Photoshop, you know, was a five, $600 software package. Um, but now you can get Photoshop and Lightroom for 10 bucks a month. <laughs> you know, it's like, sure. I mean, and Adobe makes out in the long run because, A, they have more customers, more people who, who for whom $500, either a psychological or financial hurdle is, not, is, is too high. But $10? I can do $10. And a lot of people would, buy, would, would, would not buy the Photoshop upgrade every year you don't want to spend a hundred something dollars so they'd keep it for five years so it works out you know in the long run yeah i i used office three uh, office 97 for a decade because that was that was it worked my really good the best of the <laughs> 9x era offices that was kind of the best one and i paid it once and i could use it all the way up until you know things like um office 365 or something like that came around but it's just like it worked. It did everything I needed. I made one cost and I was done. Yeah. And my Microsoft husband, never got another penny from me on that. My husband moans the days he can no longer do that. He'd like to be back to 2010 on Word. Um, but and he can't understand why can't I just buy this and own it? And I'm like, it doesn't always work that way. So let's let's get into that's some of the cons of the subscription model, which is um, you can't keep using that software or hardware, you know, either after the subscription lapses or, you know, or they just don't make it available. Like you have to upgrade that they're not, they're not allowing you to to continue to use old software under the subscription. So that's, that's a con, you know, so, you know, I've, I've, I've paid $10 a month for two years for this. And, and now I've decided to not, you know, not pay anymore. That software is no longer mine to use. And that's, 
yeah, I don't need the online services. I don't need any of that stuff. I just need Word. I just need uh, Photoshop. Oh, too bad. Right. Or Quicken. Or Quicken. That's what happened with Quicken in my house because both of us were on, you know, we bought the program and they started saying, you cannot, after this date, you won't be able to use this anymore. And we're like, what? And then, but moving to the online was a whole other Pandora's box of hurt. Right. So that's two things right there. So one is using the, you know, you have to keep paying in order to use it, but also taking away the ability to use the old versions that were not subscription. So forcing you into subscription, that is another, another con. And there's this monthly or annual cost that, that you, that we, that comes with it, you know, that, yeah, maybe I would only, I would like to pay for this $25 or $50 software that I could then use for 10 years. Right. Right. You know, Uh, but that's not, that's not a possibility with a subscription. You have to keep paying and you can end up, paying a lot more for a thing than you would have otherwise. So that, you know, so sometimes you get a better deal, but sometimes you don't. And that's just different between programs. Some programs, you don't need new features. It just works. Yeah. And they do get people who do the subscription and forget about it routine. You know, they talk about that with uh, streaming services, but I guarantee you there's people out there that have, you know, Microsoft 365 or have Photoshop or something like that. And they haven't used it in a couple of years, but they're still paying for it. Right. Right. Or they don't realize how long it's been. And they're like, oh, I may I may need it. I may need it. You know, and then you keep paying for it. There's a psychology there. You know, and I know that you really need to know your audience. I use Finale software for music, for example. And they are they don't sound like they're going anywhere near subscription because I could see musicians having total meltdown heart failure if they couldn't use their notation software, or if it be, you know, it's already expensive to begin with, but they build in discounts. So if you, and and this is a good thing, this is, this is why I don't mind it. uh, Because the discount for a teacher was always a third of the price. They've now extended that to religious organizations. That's great. Because they know a whole bunch of us church musicians are Hmm. also using the same. But if it ever went to subscription, I could see a lot of people going, no, especially if they kept changing features. Uh, I think people would just absolutely have heart failure. Right. Well, that's, that's one thing I, I, I appreciate and I, um, that, you know, many of us use Audio Hijack from Rogue Amoeba and they recently did an upgrade to a newer version. We could have stayed with the older version, but many of us did upgrade uh, to the next version for what I can't remember was $20 or whatever it was for the upgrade. It was a lower rate. But we could have stayed at version three instead of moving to version four. And we wouldn't just find staying at version three until Mac OS updates broke it. Which is always a concern. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's certain yeah, certain programs. Um and that's the other thing is, is updates on purchase software are usually much less expensive than buying new. And sometimes that's a better deal than a subscription would be. Um and I've seen where companies have like they just they roll out the subscription and the you, the old users are they revolt like I this is outrageous this you're going to cost me tons more money and uh, like for example text expander which is a utility I've used for ages and is vital to how I do things um, they rolled out a subscription model uh, w- with some really good features I'm gl- I actually it's a better software now that they have this but the subscription model was so much more and they grandfathered in 
people who had already purchased licenses and oh. in perpetuity you get this lower cost which is fine by me <laughs> because i paid <laughs> uh, but i look at like evernote which is which is a subscription and i've mentioned this recently on the show they went from i paid 44 dollars a year several years ago and with a grandfathered subscription to 70 something dollars last year and now it's going up to 130 dollars oh, this no. coming year Double, and i said almost yeah i'm out I mean, yeah, I got out of there before when it went up the first time because I figured out with notes. Now, it might not be as perfect as Evernote because Evernote was just perfect. Um, I can still do most of the things with notes that I need. So it was why should I pay for something? And I love it when you leave a subscription, whether it's streaming or whether it's um, this stuff. It's called they want you back. Retention. Getting all this email <laughs> mm-hmm. about once you like to come back, we'll give you a deal. I'm like, three months, three, three, yeah, three months. Yeah. When I canceled, was it, was it uh, Evernote or Camo Studio, which is the phone one? Um, Cause I just wasn't using it uh, immediately on the cancellation. They offered me 50% off. If I renewed, I'm like, you know, it may be worthwhile for people to just cancel and get the deal. I mean, just to see if you get a deal. And they plan for that. I mean, that's that's always been a trick with the cable companies, DirecTV, whatever, is you call and cancel. I'm going to cancel. I'm going to cancel. And they're, well, we'll, we'll give, make you a deal. We'll, we'll give you half off for a year. We'll do, you know. And, that's, and they have no intention of canceling. They just want to see how good a deal they can get before the, the person on the phone finally says, okay, I'm, I'm doing your cancellation. Mm. And that's how serious satellites radio stays in business. No, I'm one of those guys. I just keep paying it. I don't care. But <laughs> I use it. They love you. So uh, one of the other cons of a subscription slash lease model for hardware, especially, is it can be wasteful of physical goods, of stuff, you know, landfill problems. So e-waste. E- e-waste, yes. Uh, so, you know, if you're upgrading your phone every year because it's the same monthly cost, you know, if I'm paying $20 a month and I get a brand new phone as soon as the new ones are out, that old phone, I mean, they're not throwing it in the trash, probably, they're, but they're probably recycling. But it is still somewhat wasteful to to be doing that. I, I don't want to judge anyone if you get a new phone every year because you can afford it. I, I'm not judging you. But in the, in the grand scheme of things, um, it, it you know for on an economic level it is a little bit more wasteful and some of those companies you know i i think apple at least used to do this as they would refurbish those and those would become like the refurbished phones or the ones that they would use for different charities or whatever um you know so that they weren't going to waste they just you know were getting repurposed but yeah there there is a problem again like if you got a printer an hp printer and it you know you stop doing the instant ink and now you've got a paperweight what are you going to do with it you're going to toss it. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's a that's a definitely a con of the subscription slash lease model. Uh, we've we've kind of talked a little bit about some of the pros of purchasing as we've talked about the, the subscriptions. Uh, and, you know, one of the pros of just purchasing outright where available again, <laughs> this is not but it is a predictable and controllable cost. You can you say I, I have a budget and my budget for this year, I'm going to pay this money up front now. Boom, I own it. This will go on my computer and will work. As long as I want it to, as long as I don't upgrade, you know, things that break it. Um, but it will work until I budget for that next upgrade at some point down the line, not necessarily. And that way you don't have the, I mean, subscriptions are also a somewhat predictable cost because you know, it's going to be this much every month, but, but it's not a little really different because that's 
one con we did, we kind of hinted at subscriptions change. Yeah. And that's rarely down. It's that's rarely true. down. That's true. And so you really can't budget a subscription for more than a year or two because then all of a sudden, oh, not like, like you talked about Evernote. Also now it's twice as much as you paid last year and four times as much as you paid two years ago. Right. Right. That's Oops. true. Yeah. That is so true. So you can predict that when you buy it, you know, when you buy, you know, an office package or a financial package or whatever, you can say this is a hundred dollars. Boom. I've got that hundred dollars spent for the next couple of years until I'm ready to buy the next version. Yeah. You know, and then the other thing is we've mentioned is the ability with software, especially um, you can use it for as long as you want or hardware. Even like if you buy hardware, software, it's yours to use as long as it's as long as it works, as long as it, it, you haven't broken it or, you know, in some form or fashion. And, you know, you can use my, you know, uh, Office 98, which in my case, which is Office 98 for Mac, which I loved, uh, was the, probably the best version. Um, uh, you could use that for 10 years, as long as this, uh, the OS will support it. And that's a benefit. Again, that's my printer that's sitting here, 15 years old, still works well. Just keep feeding it toner and paper and it's happy. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And I've had, and I've had phones both on subscription, you know, the subscription way, the 24 month payment plan or the, the way they say it or buying outright. And I went back to buying outright because I just think for my budgeting purposes, I'd rather pay for the phone, you know, have one phone pretty much pay for the next phone and only pay so much and not have this continual money coming out of my Apple card for the next 24 months. I do it with computers because that for me, because it's such an expense that I don't have that up front, but phones now nah, or iPads. No, it's it's I'll buy them outright at this point. Well, and then there's the, this other benefit of buying things outright is you own it. And that means when you, you could loan it or sell it or pass it on to someone else. And that's a that's a not inconsiderable benefit that we are losing with so much subscription stuff out there is, you know, you can't you can't just sell your subscription, you know, your software to somebody else and, re, and recoup some of the cost. And that's one thing I got burned with with Verizon is, I you know, I, my previous Pixel phone, they had the, the bootloader locked. By Verizon, not by Google. And, and of course, Verizon won't ever unlock it, even though I did the you know, two-year plan and paid it off and all that. It was still locked to Verizon. So now with this new phone, my, my current Pixel, I did the, by the straight unlocked. from Google, yep. bought it, unlocked. You know, so I could, if I want to jump carriers, if I want to, um, you know, if I want to put a new version of Android on it that's not supported by Verizon, I can do it. It's one of the big benefits of buying directly from the manufacturer these days. And they, these, these, all these phone carriers shot themselves in the foot with these onerous policies that are trying to lock you in. People said, you know, with Apple and Google and Samsung, and they all said, well, you know, we'll sell you a phone <laughs> and it'll work on their, their system. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I keep telling my friends, you buy the phone from Apple you buy the service from whoever. Yeah, exactly. You know, don't buy the phone from the service because they do not have your best interest at heart. You know, it was one of the biggest benefits to consumers. And I don't think enough had been made of that when they uncoupled the phone from the contract with the carrier. 
you know, we were, you know, it, it was an expensive little switch, you know, because you had to now buy the phone and you were paying a little bit more. But frankly, we're all so much better off buying directly, buying the phone separately from your phone well, plan. And it was and it was different when the phones were the dumb phones where they basically they texted and made calls and that's all they did. Once smartphones came into the picture, that changed the whole environment. Because now you've got you don't just have a phone, you've got a computer. And it's no different, you know, that could be even as powerful as the one you've got sitting on your desk compared to you know, how old your computer is. But now all of a sudden, it's, this is not a device that connect, that it comes from your company that you just use because that's what your company gives you. It's now, this is my life. You know, this is my diary. This is my contacts. This is my games, my apps, my, you know, this, everything on here is mine. And I just need to pay to have that connection to the cell tower so yeah. I can use it. it. It made more sense when the you got a phone for free. You know, it was a dumb phone and, you know, you can sign for a contract and we'll just give you a phone. And it's a free, you know, commodity. It's like every other phone, you know, but now it's not the same way and you're paying so much extra. So I, I agree with that. Like, just to, well, it's, yeah. it's kind of interesting now. Remember when you would pay for the cable modems or the cable boxes and that's gone now. When I, you know, I switched over to a cable based internet now instead of the Starlink. And yeah, the modem is free. The modem is yep. part of the package. Yep. You know, yep. that's true. So um, some of the cons of purchasing every major update is a, is usually a, another major expense. You know, it's not always the same as buying brand new, but it is quite expensive. I have some audio uh, processing software that I use for pod, podcasts that um, they update it every year. And every year it's another couple hundred bucks and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's expensive. So, you know, um, but it's worth it in the sense of I, you know, I, we, it's a vital tool. So, you know, that sort of thing. But um, it can be it can be a major expense to keep up to date with with things. But it does give you that option. If you're happy with the older version, if there's no security issues, no bug issues, you just stick. You with just it. don't pay it. Yeah, you can you can say every other year. That's true. I'll buy the upgraded version. That's right. Um, yeah, I've mentioned before the idea that they sometimes will cluster their updates. You know, make them uh, uh, save updates for major upgrades to make it worthwhile to pay the upgrade price. So there's that, um, and then um, hardware. Uh, can be expensive and thus it's easy to fall behind in technology. So in other words, if I, if I'm buying my phone outright, um, maybe I can't afford a new $700 phone every even other year. Maybe I have to make this phone last for four or five years, or, you know, I get into a financial difficulty and I just don't have the money. to. to and so they end up with a phone that's falling behind it now it can't even get the latest uh, system updates and maybe it's not getting the software, the security upgrades. Um, and that can be difficult for people uh, to, to, to be able to do so that, that purchase in that case. Um, so people will tend to be li willing to live longer with broken, but usable tech, like broken screens, even, even broken hardware. So, yeah. Or again, driver issues, you know, if you've got a scanner or a printer or something like that, where all of a sudden the, Manufacturers, okay, we supported this for five years with new driver versions. Oh, by the way, Windows 12 just came out and it broke their driver model. Good luck. You know, or Mac OS. Mac, that happened with Mac OS a couple yes, years ago. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, they when they re completely revamped the kind of everything under, under the covers, and a lot of drivers stopped working. Yeah, I have a perfectly good Epson flatbed scanner that I use for photos. 
And believe me, when I've had to jerry rig on drivers in order to get it to work mm-hmm. on the M1 has been nothing short of a major headache. Right. So there was yeah, the 64-bit transition and then the silicon transition. Both of those were big disruptions for that sort of thing. And a lot of hardware got left behind on both of those and software got left behind on both of those. So those are the pros and cons. I'm sure there are more of each, but uh, let's talk about some subs- subscriptions, common subscriptions that we would mention. I always talk about Setapp. I still recommend it. Um, I think it is well worth the price. Um, yeah. You're wearing me down, Dom. You're starting <laughs> to wear me down on that one. <laughs> I am constantly finding new things that are worthwhile. And I'll try something for a month, a week, you know, and and and, and then I'll say, you know, this isn't really working out the way, you know, it hasn't really fit into my workflow the way I thought. And no, no, uh, no cost la- loss. You know, I didn't pay anything. I didn't lose any money. Um, I, it, I was willing to try it out. And I have found things that I was like, wow, uh, you know, this is interesting. I would never have bought it or even really d- downloaded a demo, you know, a, a trial version. But because it's just there, I try it and it, and it works great. So that, that's set up for me. Yeah. My biggest thing is with clean, um, clean my Mac. You know, I love that. And now I'm considering trying to stay with it. And it's part of the subscription. So it's like, ooh. <laughs> well, the thing is, is, you can go through and see all of the software you already own that is part of setup that might either be subscription or purchase. And then add up the, the cost of that, like annual upgrades or, or subscriptions. And see, that's what it, that's what did it for me is I realized I was paying more for this for all of the stuff that was in setup than it would have cost to just get set up. So it was actually a savings for me. So. All right. Because I use Gemini, too. Also, there's another one. Yeah. So that's yeah. all right. I'll do that. And <laughs> I'll let you know next time. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to see if you, if you find a lot of software that you already own that's in there. And with full disclosure, setup is not sponsoring the secrets of technology. However, if they would like to sponsor the secrets of technology, contact Dom at. Exactly. (laughs) I have refrained from putting my referral link into all of these times I've talked about setup. So I just want to get credit for that. I I am not getting any any kickbacks on that. Um, Another subscription that I use every single day uh, is the Adobe Creative Suite, um, Adobe Premiere and Adobe Audition, especially those two. Um, But even just having Acrobat and the other parts of the package and Photoshop, I don't use those as much, but because we get a nonprofit uh, pricing on that uh, for SQPN, which is great (laughs) because it's otherwise it can be very expensive, but um, it is well worthwhile for us. But even if you're just a casual photo user like you want to do photo stuff photoshop is amazing these days some of the ai stuff they put in there is incredible um lightroom is a really great program as well and if you just if you just want to spend 10 bucks a month on that that's well worth the the a subscription too so what what other um what other subscriptions father cory do you have anything so um one I, one I kind of added to the list is the Google Play Pass. And this is kind of a combination of uh, the Arcade, the Apple Arcade. Yep, which is another and set app. Yep. Yeah, and set app. So it's the Android version of you can subscribe to games and apps for free. So, like, for example, one of the games they have is the Android version of Final Fantasy VII. Oh, wow. You know, of course, they've got Final Fantasy VII on everything, but they do have um, different, you know, different games, different. Uh, 
apps, you know, nothing, nothing, none of the real major ones. Um, but there's a lot of little things that you might pay, you know, $3, $4, $10 for that you can get with the play pass. And it's a monthly subscription or annual subscription. And then you just download and use it, you know, just like these other ones. So, uh, that's a good one. If you're on Android, I would recommend, um, I do have a rant when we get to QuickBooks here in a little bit. I'm <laughs> okay. sure Joanne will. I do want to add, yeah, Apple Arcade is another $5 subscription. There are hundreds of really good games in there um, that cost nothing and have the big one is, A, they do not require an internet connection to play. That's one of the requirements to be an Apple Arcade. And B, they have no in-app purchases. There is no buying gems to get you know, ahead and all that sort of stuff. So those are two great aspects of, of those. Um, I want to mention EA play. I just thought of that because this is something I just got with my steam deck. So, uh, you know, I, I bought a, a steam deck game console and the EA play for five bucks a month. My, we can play um, star Wars Jedi fallen order and star Wars squadrons and FIFA and Madden and a whole bunch. You don't get like the brand new a list $70 games in there yet. They eventually I think will show up there, but uh, there's a, a big catalog of stuff to to play in there. And uh, there are others out there like that. Um, Xbox has a subscription. Yep. Yeah. So Sony has it for PlayStation as well. Right. So there's, there's a lot of those subscriptions, which, you know, for a few bucks a month and, you know, if we, Use if we play the Star Wars games and are no longer interested, and in, you know we've played them out, cancel it and try something else. All right, F- Father Grace, time for your QuickBooks rant. So go ahead. Yeah, so uh, Joanne talked about it. We're both quick in QuickBooks now are on uh, subscription models, and one thing probably should have mentioned in cons of subscriptions is they will do different tiers of subscriptions depending on the features you need. And I'm getting burned by this in QuickBooks because. I have the lowest level, which, by the way, is $25 a month. Come on into it. You can make it cheaper than that. Yeah, that's a lot. But um, I can't separate out my two parishes because they're both in the same file. I can't separate out for reporting because I need to be able to see, you know, income and expense for the parish here in Cascade and income and expense for the parish in Fort Shaw. I can't do that. So I have to I'm going to have to strip the data out of there put it in a spreadsheet and manually create the data I need. Otherwise I can go to the $80 a month. Yes. $80 a month to get that capability, you know? So that's that. I mean, that that's highway robbery. That's absolute highway robbery. It's ridiculous. Into it, fix your software. <laughs> no, it's it's not it's not into it, fix their software. It's called they're targeting businesses big businesses, okay, rather than us or rather than like my husband who has a tax business and then does some accounting for a couple of other businesses on the side. He has the same problem as you do, which is you have to have one for every business that you do, and that adds up, and he doesn't make enough to even pay for that add addition so it's like my my annual budget for both parishes both parishes is like 110 120 thousand dollars a year i cannot afford i can barely afford the 25 dollars a month that's this is just temporary we can get on the accounting software we're supposed to be using you know we're, we're in that transition but it's just like this and there's no way for me to contact into and say hey here's where i'm at i can't afford your upgrades but i do need this feature can Quicken do, because you're, you're talking QuickBooks, right? Yes, yes. Can Quicken do the job? Because I pay I, for that subscription yearly. 
I don't know if it can. I don't know if it's got because I do need the the accounting side of right. it. That QuickBooks My has husband started using the Quicken for side for something. I can't remember if it's just our household stuff or what. But he started using Quicken and only has QuickBooks for one or two and, things. And frankly, but I'm wondering if, if, if that could work. And, and frankly, if I was to use. If I was going to go to something like quick and I would just go to that money dance I talked about when we talked about the financial software, because I've already paid for that and I could just create a new file and use it. And it's not a big deal. You know, I, I, thinking about it two two subscriptions to QuickBooks is 20 is 50 bucks. So that and then three would be 75. So that's why it's 80. So just yep. to, right. to get to that's your tiering is they're they're getting you. They want you to do two separate subscriptions. Uh, yeah that's nice yeah so anyways that's that's that is a concern with subscriptions and quickbooks is one of one of them into into it is making bank off of this stuff and they don't really care they are Mm -hmm. they don't as we talked about in finance the finance software they're a big company with a lot of fingers and a lot of pies so um so let's talk about uh, oh and then the iphone was another one it was a hardware thing that i would that i I like unlike you, Joanne. I, I, I you you like to buy them outright. I like to because I have to get several of them <laughs> at a time. Um, but I like the the subscription model or the the pay as you go. It's I mean it's kind of not really a subscription. It's more of a a, a, a payment program. But yeah, with it's a the app plan, yeah, with the Apple Card, there's zero interest. So for me, it makes sense. There is no rather than layout the my cash up front i'm just spreading the cash payments out over time which is which is better from a cash flow perspective and i'm not paying for that privilege it's it, there's no interest so um i i like that uh, but not everyone has the opportunity to do that not everyone can get an apple card or you know that sort of thing so but but i like it uh, that particular program and, and google has that as well for their pixel phones i think samsung does you know all these you know major companies do have things like that the carriers obviously have it as well you know so yeah i just i just like i said i've used it both ways and i just for me right now i'm back to buying it outright because i can go three years except i want that dynamic island so <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for 15 uh, to see what it looks I'm like on the, I, I like to upgrade every other year and uh and i'll be passing my my phone off to a child yeah. And that's, and that's the thing you have advantage you have there. But I, I'm, I'm every three I'm every three years with phones, so that that makes it all the more work, uh, benefit for me to buy it outright because I get you know basically a year free. Right, right. And you know, for other things uh, that I would ra- rather not do a subscription for, as I'd rather not uh, buy a printer and uh, then subscribe to Ink. I'd rather just buy it and buy ink outright even though ink is the most expensive substance on the planet by the ounce like literally um well that's well that's that's where i'm on the laser jet bandwagon like i said i've said it multiple times 15 year old printer and i think i paid 500 600 for it back then so i mean i've got my money's worth out of it and that is that is a thing you know if you're talking hardware especially that is gonna last like a printer if you're not using it too heavily in a, like a laser jet, something like that, laser printer. It's it's almost foolish to do a subscription service, right? Because the drivers for those, the more expensive the printer, the drivers, it's more likely those drivers will la- will work longer. They tend to be more um, standardized, 
Like you could use it. There are generic drivers that you could just do the basic functions for those. So that is a benefit of uh, of going with a, a, a slightly more expensive. If you buy, if you play the money out ahead of time on a more expensive printer, it's a little likely, more likely that that will last longer. I've gone through so many inkjet printers over the past 10 years. See, that's, I, I gave up on inkjet because I kept having problems. I wasn't using them enough and they'd jam up. Right. And that's why I have a, a laser here myself. Yeah. But, um, and then of course, you know, one, one thing too, kind of, uh, for hardware or for software is finding open source options instead of buying anything. Just if you can, you know, if you can get away with LibreOffice instead of, uh, Microsoft office, if you can get away with, you know, you don't need all the bells and whistles of Photoshop and the GIMP project will work for you. Things like that. Yep. Free is better than purchasing or subscription. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it has its, its cons it does have some downsides as well, but, um, yeah, if you can get away with not having to pay, that's certainly better. You know, and so, so you can listen to episode 204 of Secrets of Technology yep. to hear more about free <laughs> and open source. Uh, Starquest.fm slash TEC204. And you can see our, uh, listen to our episode on free and open source. So before we get to the rest of our show, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the Secrets of Tech, including Walter G., Daniel W., Philip W., Rose P., and Harry R. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the Secrets of Technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Now that's a subscription. That's worthwhile. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk about some headlines. First up, Father Corey, you are a resident tech geek from Montana. Uh, yes. And Montana is in the tech news with uh, banning TikTok. What, what can you tell us about what's going on with that? <laughs> so Montana has passed a law, and it's uh, just the other day was signed by our governor, Greg Gianforte, that TikTok cannot be distributed or used in Montana. And if if it is distributed, the app stores are fined. So Apple and Google will be, and Amazon, assuming, I think Amazon still has an app store. I don't even know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they will be sued for thousands of dollars a day for every time they do it. I mean, it, it's, it's big time fines. Um, so it, it's, and it is, it is not, it has been signed into law, but it doesn't go into effect till the end of the year. So, of course, there are lawsuits against TikTok is suing back. There are some uh, I think there are four uh, TikTok influencers from Montana who are suing because they're going to lose all this money that they could get from going to other panels. But anyways, um, and, and, you know, not to get too political, but there are some real concerns with TikTok and privacy. There are concerns with TikTok and security, especially national security uh, because of, of its connections to the Chinese government. Uh, I was listening to um, a, a, the YouTuber Nick Ricada. He's one of the, the law tubers. And he was talking about how uh, I don't recommend him because he can be really foul at times, but that's neither here nor there. He, he is, he does know the law pretty well. And he was kind of, he was commenting that the, the connections to the Chinese government are very nebulous because you know, TikTok itself in the United States is owned by TikTok Incorporated, you know, in California or Florida or something like that. And there's these companies that own it. And even ByteDance, the overarching company, isn't incorporated in China, but it is. And, you know, it's yep. it's very so it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a real mess of, mm-hmm. you know, what are the connections? But we, it is known that the Chinese government has connections to TikTok. And it also is saying something that the Chinese government doesn't let Chinese people 
use TikTok. They just make money off of it. So right, yeah, and the, the uh, there's also mental health concerns concerning how uh, you know, especially for young people in using TikTok and other uh, social media. Um, well, actually, next week I think we're going to talk about the Surgeon General just, just came out with a report uh, yesterday as we discussed. So I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but with a warning about letting people young people use uh, social media. But, um, you know, this idea that uh, TikTok, you know, that ha- they have to be able to use TikTok in order to make their living. I saw a report that there, there's been this huge movement of TikTok users, creators, moving from TikTok to Instagram and using Instagram Reels, which, frankly, Instagram Reels is basically TikTok a week ago. Like if you ever look at it, so many of them say TikTok on them. They're just recycled TikTok videos. So, um, you know, same thing with YouTube shorts. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of places for them to go and monetize. There really is. And they're not going to. And and something who knows could crop up newer than TikTok, which would be even better. Because somebody's got to be out there writing some code right now, knowing that TikTok is having issues. Someone's got it. Someone's got well, to and, be doing and, that. and that's that's where Instagram's trying to get in on that. The YouTube's trying to get on that with shorts um, because YouTube shorts now are monetized. You can monetize YouTube shorts, for example. Uh, there has been one concern that's been raised, of course, is freedom of speech. Is this restricting freedom of speech? And, you know, and this in this this is starting to get into that, you know, Section 230 of the you know U.S. Code of are these publishers or are they, do they just allow for common carriers? Yeah. You know, common carriers type stuff, you know? And so it, it's, it really, it's kind of a mess and I'm, I'm glad Montana did it. You know, I mean, if nothing else, this helps hash these kind of issues out. Um, and it kind of puts a shot across the bow, bow with places like TikTok and Facebook and YouTube and all these others of like, you keep playing around with our privacy issues it's going to come back and bite you eventually. Yeah. That's the thing is um, it, it at least it forces the conversation and forces people to modify their behavior and kind of, you know, not run free, have free reign. Um, these companies, I don't love meta and I don't love Google either. Um, you know, I don't necessarily trust YouTube or, or, you know, Instagram uh, either. I just trust TikTok less. <laughs> and uh, and I, I I think this will eventually get hashed out at the Supreme Court, which will make a decision about free speech and Section 230 and a lot of these other uh, aspects. But it's, it's a conversation that needs to be done and unfortunately has to be done under the force of law because it's, it wasn't happening otherwise. And that's the big thing. So our, uh, our next headline is a little bit of news. Apple is doing this interesting thing of releasing like these press releases every Tuesday of new features coming to iOS and you know, Mac OS or whatever um, ahead of WWDC, which tells me and a lot of other pundits, not original to me that that's going to be one jam packed announcements on that WWDC. But what I like about this announcement is the, uh, there were accessibility features that they're going to be adding and they're kind of, kind of cool. Uh, one is for people who have speech issues or are afraid of that their speech is declining, whether they have Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, or that they can record their voice and on the phone, this is all going to be on the phone, private, not in the cloud, will build a voice model so that you can speak in your own voice through the phone. Type things in and it will use your voice. Uh, I love that idea. Uh, it's a, it's really, there are other services out there already that will 
that will create a voice for you, but they're all third parties. They do it in the cloud. I'm a little, you know, that's kind of hinky to me, the personal issues and the privacy issues. Um, so there's that. And then there's a, um, what I call phone for old people uh, version, <laughs> which is a, a simplified streamlined version of the phone that, you know, the big apps and the, even <laughs> Apple's own apps will have these big chunky things. Like when my mom was, you know, nearing the end, you know, she, she, she wanted to, you know, FaceTime for instance, but the, the, the buttons were small and, you know, her ability to point and touch was, you know, a specific spot was, was harder. And so this is another one of the features they're adding. There's some really cool stuff here. Yeah. I, I look at it and yeah, some people might get squirrely about the privacy stuff, but it is, this one is supposed to be on the phone. I'll tell you as someone whose speech is, you know, getting older and and getting sometimes more difficult with allergies, as you heard, (laughs) um, you know, this is a good thing. I have a friend who, who had her thyroid removed and has had a problem with speaking, this would be great for her. And not just for old people here, singers, as I used to be one, there are times when you are told you need total vocal rest. And to be able to have your device that you always have with you speak for you in those times, I, I see the benefits of it. And I, I say, yay, I'm going to, I'll try it at least. Right. I have to admit, when I first saw the headline, it's like, why do I want Siri talking back to me in my own voice? <laughs> you know, that was my first impression, because that's what it made it sound like. It was, yeah, yeah. you know, iPhones will be able to speak in your voice with 15 minutes of training. It's like, why do I want my phone talking back to me? I don't like hearing my own voice when I record my homilies, much less, <laughs> you know. But it, but no, this does this does make a lot of sense. This actually, in, in the, you know, this is there is technology out there that does that with AI, uh, where, yeah, it doesn't take much programming to get a relatively decent simulacrum of your voice. And it's, it sounds, you know, and this can be a very big benefit. Mm -hmm. And see, I'm going to be devious. I'm going to do it on my husband's phone. So it talks to him in my voice. I was going to say, imagine the prank possibilities of, of if you could switch out Siri's voice with your own voice and and then put it on, like I was thinking, put it on my kids' phones, you know, so so I'll be the dad all the time. Yeah. Get up! The alarm is just you shouting at him. Get up! Get out of bed! Uh, now, the Apple, you know, I know Apple is has a much better reputation than Google does for privacy. However, do we know really how much it is? You know, well, Apple says they're not, very yeah. private, but we don't know for sure. Um, because I can see that if this gets into the wrong hands, it could be, you know, there, there was an article we talked about, wasn't it last month, where about the, the guy was able to use recordings or uh, AI generated versions of his voice to get into his bank account you know stuff like that stuff where there's voice recognition that could actually be a concern so um you know again this this is assuming apple is above board on their their privacy things they have been caught not being quite as private as they claim they've been but so but it's still it's still a very big benefit it would be a huge benefit again for that where you know someone has speech issues to be able to use that to do their voice recognition and everything. But I think if it stays on the phone, we have less of a chance of that type of thing happening where somebody else is using the, the, the voice rather. So that makes me think maybe I don't want to put it on my husband's phone. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So there's uh, another feature that I don't want to just want to highlight from this, which is really cool, which is um, a magnifier, which will let 
people who have uh, vision issues, heart, the, the, the bad vision, low vision, that they can read labels on things. So, so now they can like have the, right now. There's a thing where you can recognize a door, or a sign on a door. This is like if you're at a vending machine and you need to, you know, know which one, you know, which one is the candy bar, you know, that you want to get. It, it makes <laughs> life easier for people who have low vision. Well, it, it, it's not even low vision. I was in a, I was in the uh, shoe store yesterday, flipping up the the tab to try to find out what size the actual shoe was, and I couldn't read it either. <laughs> Have, have you ever tried to read the information on a power plug, like a recharging <laughs> plug? Yes. yes. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that that gets so tiny or serial numbers on devices. I, I've done that with the where I've literally taken a picture of a serial number and zoomed in on it. You oh, know, yeah. I use the magnifier. I mean, there's so many features with that. Yeah. Actually, there are apps that do that, but it's nice that Apple is putting it as part of their right actual camera software. Yeah. And that's the thing is, is it will. The, the big thing that this does is it will see what you're pointing at. And tell you what it is. So when you're like, if you're pointing at the microwave, say control panel, it will say that's, you know, power, that's uh, time, that's, you know, so it will read it as you're pointing at it. And that's the big, that's the big new thing. So that's really cool. I like that. All right. So from the Apple good to Apple bad, <laughs> let's talk about a, we've talked a while ago about this report in the Wall Street Journal about uh, how bad actors were stealing people's phones uh, after shoulder surfing to get their passcode into them and how easy it was for them to the, the, the crooks to then lock you out of your life, you know, your online life using that. Um, there was another report that just came out uh, or not. Well, not just came out, came out about a month ago um, that showed how they could then further uh, use the recovery key security system to to permanently lock you out of everything that you can't even recover your account. Um, so that's pretty bad. There's an article that I'll, I'll link to that will show you how to you know, give some uh, ways to stay uh, safer or, you know, to prevent it, the big things being use face ID and touch ID when you're out as much as possible. Sometimes I know that's not, that's not possible. Sometimes it demands your code. Uh, so you need to treat that code as if it's the, the crown jewels, because frankly it is. Yeah, that made me nervous for my husband, who has the four-digit, you know. Don't do the four digits. That's the easiest one. Yeah. I told him. <laughs> and that's the thing that's scary is, like, you, you know, when, you're a, when you're a couple, right, you can be as secure as possible. But if your spouse isn't, they have access to a lot of the same things in, in many cases. And so you got to make sure that they're being safe, too. So uh, Apple responded and didn't have much of a response. My guess is it's typical Apple. Um, they'll they'll roll something out, perhaps at WDC in the next iOS 17 or something along the line that will make this better, if not perfect. I, I don't know if there's a perfect. Well, and they always say the, the physical uh, physical security is the most important one. If they don't have your phone, they can't get into it. If you're prone to losing your phone, dropping it or whatever maybe one of those phone cases with a wrist strap might be yeah i i got one of those for my daughter <laughs> she's, she's she i love her but she's a klutz and so <laughs> yes um so uh and then staying on the you know using tech when you're old thing um amazon <laughs> has introduced a new feature to make dialogue in its tv shows 
actually intelligible. Um, now, this this is not across the board yet. This is um, only in certain made for Amazon you know Prime Video features, but it's called Dialogue Boost, and it's a setting where you can have it boost the dialogue in comparison to other parts of other sound in the show, music and sound effects, um, to help you understand it. Because I tell you, I listen to a, I, I watch a lot of shows these days with the closed captioning on, just because how often I have to go what? Oh, and this isn't just an old age thing because there's a video out on YouTube. I, I can't remember who created it, but how they mic people and how they, the, the actors and how they have the actors perform their roles has changed. You know, gone are the days where they would hide, you know, a big boom microphone above the, the stage or, you know, have a plant with a microphone stuck in it. That's much more, more able to pick up the, the actors. Now they, they do the little lapel mics and things like that, but then the actors are encouraged to speak more naturally, not over accentuating every word like they used to. Yeah, I mean, you look back in the old 30s, you know, back when sound was first coming into movies. I mean, they're really overacting that audio so you could hear every word. <laughs> that's true. But not anymore. Yeah, but that's why stage actors do much better because that's their training. Mm -hmm. If you're doing a movie, that's not or television. That's not your training. And so there's, there's this, this video goes through the whole thing of how how they mix the sound, how they capture the sound, how the sound is presented is very different. You know, and where it might be very clear when you go to the big, you know, Atmos surround sound theater, but then you watch it at your regular, you're at home and it's not, a, it's on your sound bar and it's much more muddy. It's much harder to understand. Or on your so iPad or this your isn't phone. An age thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this isn't an age thing. This is, this is something that how movies and TV are filmed and edited has changed. I, I think we need to have these on devices rather than on apps. Okay. So, yeah, I agree. The it would be nice if they could build this into the, the hardware to uh, to make it across the board. YouTube, Amazon, you know, Disney Plus, all of them. I agree with that. But I think also this is hopefully going to be kind of a wake up call for the studios to say, OK, we know you want to make it sound more natural, but you still have to make it intelligible. <laughs> That's right. You know, and it, it is one thing for. Um, you know, like when I watch classic Doctor Who, especially oh, yeah. because the accent can get the accents can get so thick for a non Englishman or a non Brit or not non Brit, you know, you know, even even, you know, people from England will say like Scottish. They need accent, you know, the, <laughs> the, the captions subtitles to understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, that's one thing. But it's another thing, again, when they've got so much background noise and music and everything else and the speech isn't being accented. And also, if you have a surround sound, you know, and we've got it like we have surround sound, we have voice coming from one area and everything else coming from all the other places. And I've had to put that center channel up. I don't know how much to try to. So now it's out of balance with everything else. And it's like, I think it has to come down to I really do think it has to come down to devices because we can't trust these apps to be able to monitor this stuff. And we can't pretty much tell producers and directors and creatives how to do their job because yeah. they won't. But it is, yeah. But it's, it's also hard for how can your device know that these frequencies are what we need to boost when there can also be music at that frequencies. And yes, the human human voice has certain ranges. It sits in generally, but so does music. The, uh, 
yeah, I mean, the, when they do separate it, sound like 5.1 or whatever, there is often a, a, a particular voice, uh, voice channel. So at least for that stuff, they might be able to boost in, in hardware, but yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a both and problem. So, uh, so that's our headlines. Let's uh, move on to our picks of the week. Joanne, what is your pick this week? Well, this isn't a new device, but it's new to me. And it's one of those things where we were talking about hardware finally, you, know, you keep it as long as you can. And then I've had a magic trackpad forever, the very first one, and loved it dearly until it started eating batteries like I eat popcorn. Right. <laughs> and well, and it, it's true. And then there's, there's two f- little rubber feet on the bottom. Who knew they could come out? <laughs> they eventually do. And yep. then went back in with my little iFixit kit. I was able to oh, there you get, go. I was able to do that, but it also makes it unstable. So I finally broke down and bought the Apple Magic Trackpad 2, as I'll call it. They just call it the Magic Trackpad. And it is, I will say, about a third bigger than the original. And here's the thing. Why would you pay 20 bucks more to get it in black? I don't understand that. But because you can plug it in, they say that the charge lasts about a month. It lasts more than that, to be honest. I've got it up to about three months right now, and I use it fairly a lot. Um, The Surface is definitely much more – it's so slick I had to turn down in in settings how fast my pointer goes because it's that slick. And then, yeah, you have to learn where the divide is for left and right. But um, I don't miss the little bounce because it, it has a little bounce, but now the bounce is like the trackpad on the laptop where it doesn't really move, right. but you feel it. It's, it's haptic it's feedback. The feedback. Yeah, yeah. it's your no, definite haptic. There's no actual switch in it. And I, I only use that because I get hand cramps if I use the mouse. And um, I tell you, one benefit is, is when you know when it is disconnected from the computer because it is it's like it's it becomes like a slab. It's like, oh, it's not responding. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, you know, from somebody who's coming from eating batteries alive to to plugging it in now for charging, I'll tell you, I it is pricey. It's much. I mean, I bought my. I bought two of those original ones. I think they were 79 a piece. You're not going to get the white one for under 130 at this point. That's its normal price. And the other one's 150, but I don't understand what the black and white thing. So, Oh, it's, uh, it's Apple user aesthetics. I got the black <laughs> and then I got the white. I got the white, I should say, because I wasn't, I wasn't doing it. The black, the black is for the Mac pro people. I guess. It's got to match their system. They, they can afford it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it and they really, can afford it too. Yeah. It really gives you, I keep saying trackpads give you much more control than, than the, um, the mice. So if you're a real Mac power Mac user, that's what you need. Yeah. And really I'm, I'm, I'm mouse from like way back when mice were first becoming popular. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> actually I preferred the track balls, but. Um, oh, I remember those. Yeah. But yeah, the um, the idea that this is a rechargeable instead of having to throw three double A batteries into it every, you know, like you said, every you know month or so, it was just huge benefit. Much better. The older much better. it got, the more batteries it ate. Well, just imagine this: it's a, it has a lightning port connector. Just wait till everything switches to USB C. Now your lightning no! port will be obsolete. You'll need an adapter. <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm sure Apple will sell you for 30 bucks a USB-C to a connector. <laughs> Adapters. A dongle. Dongles. Yes. 
Did I hate a dongle for your trackpad. Ouch. <laughs> and we have a show title. So, Father. <laughs> so, Father Corey, what's your pick this week? So, I'm, I'm picking a. Uh, a YouTuber that I, I've, I've been following recently. He's a lot of fun. He's actually been really putting out videos for about the past year or so. And he's part of kind of the, um, the whiskey culture, if you will, you know, cause there's, you know, with drinks like whiskey and gin and stuff like that, there are two kinds. There's the, the stuff, the rot gut that you mix with, you know, a cola to have a whiskey Coke, or there's the good stuff. You know, there's the stuff that you're going to, you're going to put it in a nice glass and, Maybe if you're a smoker, you're going to have a cigar or a pipe with and sit out on the patio and enjoy, you know, and that's that's where this guy's at. But he's kind of a redneck from Alabama. <laughs> so he's kind of a lot of fun. He, uh, you know, he'll, he'll talk about, you know, a good whiskey. You know, like if you're familiar with like with Weller or um, Pop, Pappy Van Winkle or something like that, you know, really good, really sought after whiskeys. And then he'll do mixed drinks like a fuzzy navel, you know. So he'll kind of do different blends and different things. And it's really kind of interesting because, again, he seems like more of a regular guy who likes good whiskey. Who likes, you know, to, again, to get a good whiskey that you can sit with friends and sip on. And if you drain the, the bottle, well, you're going to feel pretty good, but you enjoyed your time doing it. You, it. You're not getting drunk for the sake of getting drunk. That's amazing. Yeah. He's he's been only doing this for a year and he's already up to 368,000 subscribers. That's that that says there's something good there. So that makes me want to and, check and, him out. And, and it's something, you know, talking about like he does the shorts and things like that. And and by the way, I think that helps a lot. Yeah, that's true. We got to be doing more shorts since SQPN. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's fun to watch. Again, yeah. he's kind of a character. He'll do live streams where he'll review whiskeys and I mean the whole whole kind of deal. So it's a lot of fun to watch. So my pick this week is a charger, a wireless charging stand. So it's the Anchor, of course, Power because Anchor and Set Out, that's me. Uh, Anchor <laughs> Power Wave 2-in-1 Magnetic Stand. So what it is, uh, it it works with the, uh, the MagSafe for iPhone. Um, and so I, you can, I can slap my phone onto it. It's nice and easy. Holes are pretty good. And it's got this bar with the, with the puck at the top that I put it on. And the, the, the puck at the top is adjustable. So I can adjust the angle. And that was a problem I had with my last wireless charger. It was a set angle. And whenever I wanted to unlock the phone, when it was in front of me, I had to kind of like maneuver my head over into the face ID zone. And, you know, that sort of thing it was a pain, real pain. Uh, this works really well. And then it also has uh, on the base, a little indentation that's for your uh, AirPods. So uh, you could you can do wireless charging your AirPods on it too, at the same time. And it has two little indicators to show you when they're charging when the AirPods or the, the phone is charging. And I find that even because it's this bar with the puck at the top, I can sometimes put my hands around it and manipulate the phone without having to take it off the charger. So it's really nice. It's a pretty fast charger. You know, it's, it's, it, it works with any uh, iPhone that, that it does the, uh, the, the wireless charging, um, you know, the, uh, the MagSafe wireless charging. So uh, definitely want to recommend that. And it's not that expensive. $32 which is uh, pretty good for a dual charger like this. All right. So those are our picks of the week. 
And that will do it for us this time. Uh, we'd love to hear your comments or suggestions or anything on anything we talked about today. You can do that by commenting at sqpn.com slash technology or the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Send an email to technology at sqpn.com. Visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. And you can find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at starquest.fm slash TEC213. You can follow the Secrets of Technology in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, in your favorite podcast app, or at YouTube, where you should make sure to hit the bell to get notifications of new episodes. Until next time, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thank you, Dom. Joanne Mercier, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest. <laughs>